Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Good with Kevin Thomas. I am Kevin Thomas, and I am grateful to be here with you once again for another Saturday. It's a cloudy one today. Uh, Felt a little drizzle earlier, uh, you know, but uh, still a great day, and it's still a great day for great stories and music. And speaking of music, I'm going to have a couple selections today from the REO Brothers, which is a band out of the Philippines. And uh, they they went through some hardship and uh, they were able to triumph, triumph over it. So... Uh, Definitely an interesting story, and uh, later on in the show, uh, I'm I'm hoping to get a call from Brewster Bob, so he could talk about his connections with the Philippines, and uh, also uh, you know hear some of the backstory that he knows about the Ario Brothers, and and uh, hopefully that will will be doing that after the first break, uh, but uh, Ario Brothers. Really solid band, really talented musicians, and great harmonies. And so I, I picked two selections that, uh, uh, two songs that I think exemplify their talent level. They, they've uh, toured all over the world, uh, and and they're really great. So stay tuned for that. We'll we'll get to that in just a bit. Uh, I just want to let you know. That uh, if you want to talk about anything, uh, especially good news, if you have any good news to share, it's real simple. The number is 845-429-1700. That's 845-429-1700. And uh, share your good news or just say hi and uh, we'll have a good time. I also want to say... for anyone out there, uh, especially with the business, that uh, definitely looking for sponsors for the show. I, I definitely want to keep going as long as possible doing the show. So uh, uh, definitely need sponsors on board. So uh, if you if you know anybody or if you have a business and you're looking to uh, support a show that gives good vibes all around. This is the show right here, The Good with Kevin Thomas. So uh, we will do what we normally do. We talk about good news around the world. And the first story is going to come out of England. Now, uh, Dominique, uh, now this was, uh, this was prior to the pandemic. But Dominique had uh, went for a night out. And uh, she wanted to get home, but unfortunately, she lost her bank card and she didn't have any cash on her. So she couldn't afford to take a taxi home. Uh, At at that point in time, she was a 22-year-old student at the University of Central Lancashire in, in the United Kingdom. And uh, she, she was out of cash. She didn't have her bank card. She lost it. And uh, all of a sudden, there's a homeless man by the name of Robbie that uh, when he saw her situation, talked to her, he offered his change. He had about three pounds, which is about $4 U.S., uh, he he offered the money to her that the only money that he had and in he insisted that she take it to pay for a taxi home now dominique 
she declined the offer, and she did eventually get home. And uh, she was so touched by what Robbie did, she decided she would set up a donation page uh, for people to donate money to Robbie. Now, Robbie had been uh, out of work for a few uh, for a few months, and uh, for about seven months, and and he he couldn't get work because he didn't have an address. So, you know, when when she found this out, she sets up the donation page. She says. I was touched by such a kind gesture from a man who faces ignorance every day, so I set on a mission to find him. And she said, uh, the more I spoke about him, the more kind gestures I learned, such as him returning wallets untouched to pedestrians and offering his scarf to keep people warm. And uh, so her goal was... To, to get him uh, a permanent place to live. And sure enough, she she puts up the uh, fundraiser, and it, all of a sudden, 21,000 pounds, that's about 28,600 U.S. dollars, were donated for Robbie. And uh, she says, uh, Dominique says, this is not only going to change Robbie's life, but the lives of an incredible amount of people in Preston. Now, now, what Robbie did when he found out uh, about the amount of money that came in, uh, he, he decided that he would also help other homeless people in local charities as well. And... Uh, one charity was uh, the Foxton Food Drive, and uh, they they actually uh, they actually tweeted out, "Thank you to Preston community. We have collected over two hundred pounds today, and that means that ten people can be safe and warm tonight off the streets." And uh, as part of the fundraiser, she decided, uh, Dominique decided to sleep out on the street for 24 hours and she said uh yes we were cold and yes we were hungry but people endure that 365 days of the year so for 24 hours we didn't complain but that that is really something so kudos to dominique for doing such a nice thing and to robbie uh robbie's got a good heart and he's willing to help out even when things are dire for him. And it just goes to show that uh, even in the moments when you feel you don't have much to give, the generosity seems to turn right back around on you after a while. You know, it, it's really something special. So the next story we want to talk about we want to go all the way down to Florida for this one. Now, uh, a family had decided that it was uh, it was a dad with his son and his daughter, his uh, seven-year-old son and his four-year-old daughter, and they uh, they wanted to go swimming uh, uh, offshore in the uh, St. John's River. So we're talking uh, Jacksonville area. And uh, all of a sudden they got caught in a strong current in in the water. And uh, it became problematic for the father and his two kids. They had, they had anchored the boat in the river while they uh, were fishing and the children were playing in the water and uh unfortunately the current got to so strong that uh abigail the four-year-old uh was holding onto the boat and her father was holding onto her and uh at that time 
Abigail was the only one that was wearing a life jacket. And uh, that's because, uh, I believe, state rules uh, don't, don't actually have the men or boys, uh, re- they don't actually require them to wear life jackets. Uh, but they were they were scared, and uh, they started to float away from from the boat, and uh, that's when Chase Poust, the seven year old, decided to jump into action. Their father, Stephen. Uh, said, I told them I loved him because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I tried to stick with both of them. I wore myself out. She drifted away from me. So Chase started swimming for sure. He, he was doggy paddling. He was floating on his back to keep from tiring out. And uh, he said the current was going the opposite way of going to the boat and the shore, so it was very hard to swim that way. It took Chase nearly an hour to reach land. And that once he reached land, he ran to the nearest house for help. So crews from the Jacksonville Fire and Rescue Department, the Sheriff's Office in Jacksonville, and the uh, Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission uh, ended up getting out there and they found the father and daughter about a mile away from the boat. In fact, uh, in fact, Stephen said, uh, I screamed for help at the top of my lungs and waved my arms and sure enough, someone heard us. Little man also made it to shore and got help and that's what saved our lives. But uh, it, yeah, it turns out that the that the seven-year-old and the father were not required to wear a light vest because the law applies to children six years and under for a vessel under twenty-six feet long. So, amazing story of survival. Chase Poust was awesome, seven years old, and had all the poise and all of the uh, all of the guts to do what he had to do to help his family and uh, so kudos to him on doing something so amazing now we got a couple minutes until the break Uh, as I said uh, if you feel like talking then the number is 845-429-1700 And I'm hoping in the next break we'll hear from Brewster Bob about his connection to the Philippines and uh, Elegant City. So, uh, you know, it's it's a pretty amazing story of how the REO brothers had uh, lost everything except for their guitars. And, and I'll clarify this with, with Brewster Bob, but uh, they lost everything but their guitars in, in a powerful typhoon that, that hit Tacloban, uh, Philippines. And uh, they, they happened to have bumped into somebody with a little clout that uh, gave them his uh, business card, his calling card, and said... Uh, if you're ever in Manila, you know, stop by, let me know you're in town, you know, and, uh, and, uh, next thing you know, the boys found themselves in Manila and they contacted this guy and, uh, sure enough, uh, they, uh, they end up meeting a few other people along the way and auditioning. And before you know it, these boys that had just lost almost everything they owned uh, in a typhoon, in a powerful typhoon, ended up uh, playing for a Christmas special on television in the Philippines. And uh, 
they ended up doing uh, a Beatles cover of I Saw Her Standing There that uh, got a standing ovation on, on the Christmas show uh, live in front of an audience. And uh, and uh, next thing you know, they're, they're moving on up in the world. And uh, it, it's really quite an amazing story of survival and, and uh, dedication to the music and... Uh, uh, and, and and like I said earlier, they they now now they uh, play around the world. Probably not so much since the uh, pandemic uh, began, but uh, uh, they they have been able to play uh, shows in Europe and Asia, all over uh, the world. And uh, they they even got to you know they're they're big on cover uh, cover songs, uh, but. Uh, especially Beatles songs. They they uh, they actually got to play at the Cavern Club in England, where in Liverpool, where where the Beatles played. Uh, where the Cavern Club is famous for being one of the venues that the Beatles played in their early days, and uh, so they actually got to play on that stage. They they haven't met uh, Paul McCartney. Or Ringo Starr yet, but hopefully those boys get a chance to. So you'll hear from them, the REO brothers, and uh, this uh, first song is actually a cover of an Eagle song, and I think they did a pretty good job on it. So that's coming up after the break when the good with Kevin Thomas continues.
It's the good with Kevin Thomas here, and you just heard the REO brothers covering the Eagles classic New Kid in Town. That song was off of the Hotel California album, 7677, uh, Grammy Award winning album. And, and I'll tell you, th- this uh, REO Brothers band really did a great job with it. Uh, great harmonies, great instrumentation, really awesome stuff. Let's go to the phones. You're on with Kevin Thomas and The Good. How are you? Hey, good morning, Kevin, or should I say good afternoon. Bruce DeBob here. Bruce DeBob. I want to thank you so much, first off, for introducing me to this band. They're really talented and, uh, uh, you know, it's just really awesome. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, a true uh, rags-to-riches story. It certainly is. And uh, for those uh, listeners that want to hear more of the Rio Brothers, uh, you can search them out on YouTube and also uh, Facebook. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now... You have an interesting story that you've gone over to the Philippines and you visited there. Uh, Tell us about your connection to the Philippines, because I think think everybody should know this, and I think it's a really interesting story. Well, it all started around, uh, I guess it was 2006. Uh, I was web surfing one night, and I see something come up on my screen, uh, Illigan City 9200. And I wondered, uh, you know, I used to work for the post office, and I figured 9200 must be like a zip code. And I wondered, where in the world is this? So I started doing a little web searching and uh, uh, read about the place, saw a lot of pictures, videos, and so forth. And uh, a lot of it reminded me of uh, when I was growing up in the 1950s. I don't want to give my age away here. But uh, uh, so I, I did a lot of research on it over the next couple of years. And in uh, April 2008, uh, I finally went there to see it all for myself. And what did you see when you got there? Uh, Pretty much what I expected. But uh, a little preamble to that, though. Uh, There were some Filipinos where I used to work, and I asked them about uh, going to a league in city. And they thought I was a lunatic. They said, you can't go there. I said, why? They said, you'll get killed. (laughs) Wow. So... uh, uh, Iligan City is located on the largest, uh, second largest, southernmost island in the Philippines, uh, known as Mindanao. Uh, and there's been a lot of uh, over-exaggerated, in some cases, bad press about uh, killings, beheadings, uh, bombings, and things like that. Uh, to some ex- a minor extent, it's true, but uh, it's not as bad as they say. In fact, I felt safer there than it would on the New York subway. I'll put it that way. Wow. Uh, so for my first visit, uh, I got to, I spent six months and got together an uh, entourage uh, to meet me at the airport, take me to my hotel, and they were with me uh, every place I went. I had no problems. Uh, and I've made 13 visits there since then and uh, never had a problem. I don't have the, the whole entourage anymore, but uh, um, there's a lot of security down there, and uh, I, I never had any problem. What did you learn during the time that you that you've you've the times you visited? Uh, was, was there was there something that you came away from it and 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 uh, you thought differently about after you visited there? Well, I'd say one of the best things I found was the people. Uh, the hospitality is amazing. Uh, they're very friendly. Uh, anything and everything I wanted to see or participate in. For the most part, all I had to do was ask, and I was really welcomed. 
Now, is this right that you you were actually in a music video over there? Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, that's at the uh, University in, in uh, Illigan, which is one of the top ten universities uh, in the entire country. And uh, in fact, I started a scholarship there uh, between my 2008 and 2009 visits. Uh, and uh, they made a video, and uh, I liked it so much that the language was foreign, but uh, um, didn't make any difference. <laughs> it was a funny video. So I was there uh, the following year, and uh, they did a reshoot and put me in it. Wow. That's, you're, you're a rock star over there. I guess so, yeah. But like I say, uh, what really impressed me about anything and everything I wanted to see I mean, I don't call myself the typical tourist. I mean, I was on radio stations. Uh, I'll tell you one good one was uh, the, the visit to the seaport. I'd seen so many pictures of the seaport that I wanted to go take a look at it. Uh, I got a couple of my friends would go down to the seaport. Um, we couldn't get in. Ticketed passengers only. So I mentioned it to somebody else down there who happened to work at City Hall. And... Uh, she mentioned it to a friend of hers uh, who knew the seaport manager. Well, the following year on my visit, we were chauffeured in to the seaport in a city car and given a two-hour tour by the uh, seaport manager, which ended up with some uh, delightful uh, Filipino refreshments. And that was really wonderful. It just goes to show the hospitality there. Wow, it sounds it sounds like such a great place. It really does. Uh, you you even um, you had a connection with the local uh, hospital over there as well. Is it true you got some equipment for them? Uh, yeah, that's right. In 2012, uh, I came down with pneumonia, uh, so my friends took me to the hospital, which is right up the street, and uh, I had also studied and researched hospitals before I went there, and this was, uh, at the time, it was called Mindanao Sanitarium Hospital. No, it's not a sanitarium for mental people, but uh, anyhow. So uh, uh, a private room there was only $52 a night. Uh, so also in my research, I found that they had a, uh, a group of doctors and nurses from that hospital that do medical missions. Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of poor people there. It's often referred to as a third-world country, and they go out into the... Uh, Hinterlands and other places where they're needed for, uh, uh, you know, give medical assistance and things like that. So uh, the following year, uh, which I guess is 2013, um, I had asked them if they could use some uh, stethoscopes, uh, BP cuffs, and stuff like that. So th between my visits, I bought a whole bunch of that stuff, probably a suitcase load full. Took it all down there uh, and donated it to... Uh, uh, this is a group. Uh, also, uh, I had asked the, uh, one of the heads of this group uh, if they could find me two college students, because there's also a, a college at this uh, hospital. Uh, it was Mindanao Sanitarium uh, Hospital College. Uh, it's now known as Adventist Medical Center. Uh, I said, pick me two students, two nursing students, and I'll bring them a stethoscope and a BP cuff which is something required for, uh, uh, you know, people taking nursing courses. So uh, uh, I, I presented these things to the two students, and uh, they were most grateful. In the following years, I brought them some other stuff, uh, uh, like a oximeter, uh, tuning forks, uh, other things used for, uh, you know, nursing and medical applications. Uh, and they're both since graduated. Wow. Now, at the other uh, university, uh, Mindanao, uh, MSUIIT, Mindanao State University Illegal Institute of Technology, I was very impressed with that place. It was conveniently located right next to the hotel that I stay in. And what interested me the most were uh, the technical and practical fields, uh, such as air conditioning, automotive, electronics, computers, things like that, uh, I started a scholarship there because <clears throat> I had found that many students had to drop out because their families could not afford to keep them in the school. Uh, now, 
one semester tuition there in our money is equivalent to about $100, $125. Oh, wow, okay. So I started a scholarship there uh, to pay the tuition for one semester for a student that had enough grades to graduate in the following year, and this would be for their, la- in their last year of uh, schooling. And I still run that even today. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Uh, now, they they've they they have the potential of of being uh, hit by some powerful storms, uh, typhoons, as they call them over there. And uh, uh, you you weren't there for for the big one that that happened. But uh, tell us uh, tell us your your connection with them as far as that. Yeah, well, for, fortunately, uh, Elegant City is out of the typhoon belt. Uh, they have had some minor typhoons there that caused a lot of damage, but uh, and in regards to the one at uh, Tacloban, where the Rio brothers are from, uh, the uh, medical mission group that I donated the stethoscopes and the BP uh, things to, uh, they were one of many groups that went to assist after the Tacloban disaster. Uh, the Rio brothers themselves... Uh, as you mentioned earlier, escaped with their guitars and a soggy, wet business card from somebody in Manila. Uh, it took them, I don't know how long to get to Manila. Uh, part of it was on bus, and I think the other part must have been on uh, uh, ferry boats. Uh, and uh, fortunately, uh, and the rest is a history, a success story. But uh, I was lucky to get out of there, because when there is a major disaster like that, especially a typhoon, uh, domestic uh, airline schedules are all over the place. Flights canceled, there's snack, can't go here, can't go. Uh, fortunately, when the, uh, uh, the typhoon hit, I was back here in New York. Wow. So I just barely escaped it. But in a way, I was there with the things I donated. Wow. It, it, it really is. Uh, you're amazing. I mean, just just everything that, that you were able to help them out with. I mean, that, that's just, you should be commended for that. Well, thank you. And another uh, uh, another place that uh, I made a lot of improvements to was the city jail. Uh, oh, right, yes, yes. Uh, now, it, now, how did that how did that come about? Well, I saw a, a video on uh, YouTube. Uh, you know, like I told you, a lot of research on Elegant City. And uh, there was a video on there uh, that uh, in 2009 they got an award for best city jail in Region 10, which is, you know, the country's divided up into regions. So uh, it aroused my curiosity. Uh, Okay, well, what makes an award-winning city jail in the Philippines? So uh, uh, fortunately I was able to get in there, take a look around, take some pictures and stuff, and, uh, well... The jails there are not uh, anything like the ones here. So uh, I spoke to the warden and asked him if there was anything I could do to uh, uh, help them out. And uh, he said if I could spare some money for some tables and chairs for the visitors area. Uh, and I said, well, okay, can you tell me where I can buy some tables and chairs? He said, all we need is the wood. The inmates can build the tables and chairs. So uh, I, let me see, that was two thousand, yeah. At the time, uh, one, somebody from the city hall was following me around to get pictures and stuff of my visits. And uh, we went to several lumber places, got the lumber, and uh, one week later, the tables were finished and uh, painted and ready for use. Uh, I didn't include money for the benches. We didn't think of it at the time. So after I got home, I wasted the money for the benches. Those were built, nicely finished, and... Uh, uh, to make a long story short, after a few years, it was tables and seating for 300. Wow. Now, the visitor center there, or so they call it the, uh, um, hmm, I can't remember right now, but uh, the visitor center, it was a thatched roof that leaked, dirt floor, so when it rained, it was uh, uh, nothing but mud. Uh, a multi-purpose hall, that's what it's called. So I had spoken to... Uh, uh, the city mayor, Mayor Lawrence Cruz, who also played an important part uh, of that jail in 2007, uh, about building a new one. And uh, 
the cost was estimated, and the city, he didn't have enough money, and I didn't have enough money. So we combined our money, and we had it all rebuilt, bigger, better, real roof, uh, tiled floor, the works. Wow. That's impressive. That's really impressive. Now, one, of, one of my interesting stories on the jail was uh, I was there once visiting. I always visit there now. It's a, you know, to me, it's a tourist attraction. Uh, I was there with a couple of my friends, and uh, all of it, they had a, a cell there for the minors, okay, the under-18s. Right. <clears throat> one of them starts waving at me and calls me over and asks if I could get them some soap. And I said, well, how do you normally get soap here? And he says, uh, people have to bring it to us. I said, well, maybe you should ask them. And they said, well, some of us don't get any visitors. So I checked with my friends that were with me, and I said, is that true? Are they trying to scam me out of some soap so they can sell it? And they said, no. I said, uh, uh, in some cases, the families live too far away, and they don't have the money to get to the jail. And in other cases, uh, the family disowns the, the, the child because uh, of the shame they brought in the family by uh, being in the jail. So... Uh, I spoke to the uh, warden about it and uh, uh, asked how many minors there were. I think there were, the first time it was of like 20 or so. So my friends and I would go up and get, get 40 bars of soap, shampoo, uh, some other personal care items. I can't remember what they all are now. But uh, uh, So we brought all this stuff back to the jail. I had a meeting with the minors in the uh, warden's office and gave them all the stuff <laughs> we're very <laughs> grateful for it wow and i the, the miners aren't there anymore because uh, um the city was uh, told by the bureau of jails that they had to take care of the miners they could not handle them at the jail anymore i mean it's just not a good place for them so uh but for quite a few years i always brought stuff for the miners and uh sometimes like at christmas or an easter I contacted one of my friends down there in Elegan, uh, Center Western Union, with some money to go buy some stuff. Take it up to the miners, but don't just drop it off. Have a visit with the miners and send me some pictures. And they did, so that worked out very nice. Wow. Well, Bob, I want to thank you for sharing uh, your connection with the Philippines. And, uh, you know, I hope someday to, to, to go over there and see it for myself. It sounds like a beautiful country. Uh, it really is. Uh, like I said, the only two areas that I'm familiar with is uh, Kagan, Dioro, which is the next city to Iligan. That's where I come in on the plane. And uh, Iligan City itself, there's plenty of information, a lot of videos on YouTube, the pictures uh, uh, that people can see if they're interested. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a very nice place. There's a lot of uh, disadvantage there. Uh, but instead of criticizing, my theory is, well, is there anything I can do to help fix this situation? And in many cases, I have. Yes, you have. Yes, indeed. And just just one more thing that you might be wondering, well, how do I get the money to do all of this stuff? Yeah. Uh, you know, build barbershops. I built a barbershop at the jail. Uh, scholarships, this, that. Uh, on my first visit there, I, before I went, I read some of these uh, travel health sites, and they're very cautionary about the food. You know, don't eat this, peel it yourself, wash this. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is crazy. What do I have to do, bring my own food? So I found out about this hamburger chain, a fast food chain called Jollibee. Uh, and in studying them, they're also here in the USA now. In studying them, I knew I could eat their food if I couldn't eat anything else. Well, there was an American that lives in Mindanao. I consulted with him, and he said, if your digestive system is anywhere near normal, don't worry, you could eat anything. So uh, anyhow, uh, to make a long story short, I did a lot of research on Jollibee. And when I found out that their uh, stock was selling for 83 cents a share, I called my financial advisor, who was a little bit skeptical at the beginning. And I told him, I said, look, this is a third world country. Nobody's got any money. But you go near any of these Jollibee places, at lunchtime or dinner time, you can't get in. You hmm. wind up out the door. So uh, uh, I bought uh, some stock. Then I bought more. Then I bought, well, I more than doubled my money on the Jollibee stock. 
Wow. So, and it still applies today, too. Jollibee is still there. They're still building places. They're in the USA. They're in Europe. They're in Canada. Uh, can you imagine if you bought McDonald's stock when they started? Yeah, really. <laughs> so uh, that, that's where, uh, so, you know, I return, use some of that money for all these donations and things that I do down there in the League City. Return the money, some of the money from where it came from. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. It certainly is. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Bob. I really do appreciate it. Okay, very good, and I uh, appreciate you having me on my show. And uh, also uh, 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 enlightening people here as to uh, the Rio brothers. Like I say, you can see plenty of them on uh, seeing here, plenty of them on YouTube and Facebook. Without a doubt. And, 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 and thank you also for sending me the other music as well, and I'll be looking through that, and we'll be playing that as the weeks go by here. Okay, Kevin, very good. All right. So, uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, I'll be listening here on Virus Free, WRCR. All right, take care. Bruce bye -bye. Bob. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Now, uh, before we end the show... Uh, Actually, I'm going to take a real quick break, and uh, then we'll get to our next story. But the, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Giving back to the people, and uh, I, I, I just love it. It's 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 great. Uh, Brewster Bob is one of the uh, loyal listeners here of the station, and uh, we are grateful for him. So we'll have another story, and uh, then we'll wrap up. The Good with Kevin Thomas when we return. One, two. In Penny Lane, there is a barber showing photographs of every hand is at the passion to know. And all the people that come and go stop and say hello. Isn't that a great, great version of the song? Penny Lane, covered by the Rio Brothers 
here on WRCR and the good with Kevin Thomas. I want to read you one more story, and we're going to go across the pond for this one. So in uh, so this woman from Sunderland, England, back in um, 2018, she went to a bridge called the Wearmouth Bridge, and uh, it, it's a bridge that's known for people jumping from it. Uh, she went to that bridge and nearly left to her death. But she didn't do it. And now she's 21 years old. And uh, she's decided she wants to help others that go to that bridge and try to end it all. Now, back when she was a teenager, she suffered from PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder and uh, it turned out that uh, it was a pair of good Samaritans that approached her and they said the following words you are worth so much more than this and that was not only did she not jump at that point, but the next day she took those words, you are worth so much more than this, and she wrote it on several pieces of paper. And then she went and posted them all over the bridge where she had this moment. And so that's when she started the campaign called Notes of Hope. So since she thought about committing suicide, she has left over 1,000 laminated handwritten messages on the Wearmouth Bridge, encouraging others struggling with mental health issues to seek help. So... It turns out she's gotten a lot of feedback, and uh, she's actually saved quite a few lives just by leaving those notes. Like, for example, uh, Sarah Erica, who's 25, uh, she, she was struggling with depression and anxiety. And when she saw Hunter's notes, uh, Paige Hunter's notes, uh she said that it motivated her to want to carry on. Uh, another person, uh, Callum Dogrell, uh, also 25, said uh, he was going through a really rough patch and was at a point in his life where he didn't want to be here anymore. And uh, then he saw the notes and he, he thought about his one-year-old son and decided that he would push past everything that was going on in his life and carry on. And uh, what's great about this uh, is that now, because of all these notes that she's been leaving on the bridge, uh, the councilmen uh, for Sunderland, uh, who lost a family member to suicide themselves, uh, said that he is working on installing permanent placards there by the end of the summer that will hopefully discourage jumpers. Uh, but uh, here, I'll give you an example of one of the notes that she left. Don't give up, not now, not tomorrow, not ever. There's another one that, that says, uh, be strong because things will get better. It may be stormy now, but it never rains forever. So that's just uh, part of it, part of the messages that are left. Uh, in fact, uh, you can find Notes of Hope on Facebook. And uh, some someone by the name of Cassie Bond found it uh, on Facebook herself and decided she would do the same thing in her hometown of Spokane, Washington, 
for the Monroe Street Bridge there. So kudos to Paige on helping so many people turn their life around and not give up in their darkest moments. Well, folks, I'm a little over time, but uh, I just wanted to get that one in and we'll have more stories and we'll have more positive outlooks on life and uh, more music when we come back next Saturday here on WRCR AM 1700. I want to thank you for joining me and uh, have a great weekend. Don't forget the boulders are on tonight at 630, uh, 6.20 pregame. So tune in for that. I'll see you next week. God bless.